fasten your seatbelt. I'm taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Go get him, kid. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. Not a tumor at all. If you're going to ask me, so you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me. And my natural response could be to get offended. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week. 30 years in the making. Yes, it is the 30-something movie podcast. We are marching right ahead towards the end of this year. I am having kind of a hard time believing that we are nearing the end of 1991. Um, you know, the year was 2021. And we started the year with one of my favorite movies of all, The Rocketeer. And I was like, this this is going to be a lot of fun. And mm-hmm. I remember just being super excited to get finally get to talk about The Rocketeer, doing all that stuff. And like all of a sudden, it's now 12 months later. It's yes. A, it's a little shocking that it's 12 months later. Yes. But here, here we are. Here we are. It's... Uh... Yeah, here together we are. Again. Together again. Okay. Um, Jeff would appreciate, you know, singing the, the Muppet song along with me here. Um, oh, yeah. Patrick, this is Patrick Canagallo. If you don't know Pat's voice, this is Patrick Canagallo. Uh, hey, I am, everybody. I am John Reed. Hey, everybody. Pat, how are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm doing well. You've had a busy doing... couple of you've had a busy couple of nights. You were telling us before the recording, uh, you gave a a band concert last night. Um, yep. The band Elwood, and then tonight yeah. uh, you just got to play dad and and uh, got to see your son in an orchestra concert. So you just were uh, spectating. Yeah, yeah. Dominic had his concert tonight. I got to sit in the audience. We had a concert last night, and uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's just. <laughs> Like I said at the, you know, when I was doing a little announcements last night, it was like, it is so great to be able to come together and do live music again. And, you know, fingers crossed, we keep the positive, positive uh, momentum going and all that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, that's, that's been pretty special. So. Yeah. Uh, Good times. Uh, Bo is also here with us. Bo, how's it going? I'm well, John, and yourself? I'm good. I'm appreciating your uh, Lower Decks background you've got there on Zoom. Why, thank you. In in your own little uh, captain's ready room? Yeah. Hopefully you don't end up having to sell all those items on the on the shelves back there. Well, yeah. Yeah. I break all my little ships. No. Oh, you broke your little ships. Uh, and let's see, uh, Dennis, I think Dennis is here with us, too. Yes, I am. I'm just getting settled in here. So, yeah. Yeah. How are you doing, Dennis? Doing great. Doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing fine. Um, I'm kind of looking for, I mean, we're going to kind of jump right into it here in a second. I'm kind of looking forward to uh, some of our responses for this movie. Because it's it's a little, uh, how how do I initially want to describe it? I don't even know how I want to describe it. Um, 
You you remember Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country? I do. Yeah. Do you remember when they were all sitting there trying to figure out, uh, you know, like uh, would Kirk really try to assassinate the Chancellor? And they're going around, and they had that guy that does the great Klingon ambassador that always sounds outraged. Yes. And then the one guy, the president guy looks over at the Romulan guy and he says, uh-huh. and the position of the Romulans ambassador Nunclus, what is that? You can't believe that Captain Kirk would try to assassinate the chancellor. And the ambassador, Romulan ambassador just kind of yeah. sits there and goes, Mr. President, we don't know what to believe. I don't know <laughs> what to believe. I think that's how I feel about this movie. Guys, I'm not sure what to think. That's kind of where I'm at right mm-hmm. now. Or or you've been watching the movie and all of a sudden you're like, that's extraordinary. <laughs> what would you like to do next? That's it, man. Um, I do want to point it. out, and I, I, did, uh, I did go and grab the sound effect so I could play it for us now. Um, I really appreciated, I think Jeff had listened to our episode on the Giver um yes earlier today and and i yeah. loved the video he texted out to all of us that was ross from friends and i was yeah. like oh god that sounds so much like pat when it's a movie that we're not <laughs> when it's a movie that we're not sure that it's of the best quality in the world but and yeah and, and pat is trying so hard to be excited about it um yeah. so i did I, I pulled that one so so this is i'm gonna start playing oh, no. this for when when i can tell that pat's like i've watched a movie this movie should have the elements to it. Like all the elements are there for something that I should love. And yet mm-hmm. I don't know what to believe. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> totally fine. I, I don't know why it's coming out all loud and squeaky. Cause really I'm fine. You know what we should do? Calm ourselves. <laughs> yeah, man, that's that. Because it That's is, it. It's, it's funny. It's like every time, and I think you, I think you and the recording were the same way. It's like, so what, did you, Pat? What did you think of the Giver? It's fine. It's it's fine. You know, it's it's good. It's fine. So, oh man, we're all, we're all fine here. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Oh, How are you? Yeah. So all right, I... all right. Well, uh, I think we can dive on into my own private Idaho here. Um, very, very quickly before we do that, we, we spoil, so this is your only warning. Um, we are the, uh, we are part of the Scene Stealers podcast network, and uh, this episode, as all of our other episodes, are sponsored by Scene Stealers International Convention Agent. Um, if you are, it's, it's kind of, it's a little later in the year, so we're kind of winding down on the, on the convention circuit, I think, but um, those are going to be starting back up here in the, uh, in the spring, I believe, so if you are somebody who is working on planning ahead for a convention or some type of event where you would like to pull in movie and TV stars that could be booked for that event, go ahead over to scenestealersglobal.com. Then when you're done there, uh, you can go ahead and visit our website, 30podcast, 30 and the word podcast.com. Uh, you can leave a rating. You can leave a voicemail. You can leave uh, You can leave a little bit of yourself there if you want to. That's fine. Um, but uh, you can also become a co-executive producer via Patreon where you get access to different bonus episodes that we do each month. Uh, and there are upwards of, I want to say about 15 that are there now um, that you can go back to and listen to, but we're always adding new ones every month and um, just a fun time interacting with our different uh, co-executive producers that are there with us on Patreon. So head over there. Um, and yeah, I think that's it for kind of our intro, intro information, all the stuff you need to know before we jump into things, but 
Um, anybody got anything you need to announce or share before we start jumping into the movie? Anything pressing that the world needs to know about? There's a new Matrix movie coming out in two weeks. There's a new uh, Matrix movie uh, coming out. And yep. Pat's not excited at all. <laughs> no. no, not at all. No. <laughs> yeah. He's not uh, sending us a text every day with a countdown. <laughs> That's not happening. Nope. Nothing like that. You're you're like a person that you're like you're like a person that works very close to my desk who is going to be retiring from our school district at the end of this school year. And I was like, I walk past her desk every day and I'm like, uh, and today is, and she's like 223. (laughs) Okay. Good to know. Thank you. Good for her. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Well, our movie this time is my own private Idaho. It came out on the 27th of September, 1991 rated R with a runtime of one hour, 44 minutes directed by Gus Van Sant. Who also did Drugstore Cowboy, which we watched uh, about a year or two ago, maybe. Um, Paranoid Park was another one. Produced by Lori Parker, who also did Mars Attacks and In the Cut. Writer for this one was Gus Van Zant, who did Even Cowgirls Get the Blues and Last Days. And if you want to, uh, you could include Mr. Uh, Billy Shakespeare as a potential writer here. Um, hey, Dad, we got Bill Shakespeare over here. Hmm. <laughs> So, yeah, we can include Mr. Shakespeare because, um, I mean, he's written some screenplays for movies. He did Romeo and Juliet and, um, you know, Ten Things I Hate About You and stuff like that. Um, he's getting a lot of work, even though he's been dead for a few centuries. Cinematography by John J. Campbell and Eric Allen Edwards. Campbell did Sisters and Rough Magic. Edwards did Knocked Up and To Die For. Editor was Curtis Clayton, who did Drugstore Cowboy and To Die For. Music was done by Bill Stafford, who did A Time to Sing and Tarzan the Ape Man. Budget was $2.5 million. Box office was $6.4 million. Flick Metrics gave it a 75%. Cinema score did not have a score for this one. Starring River Phoenix, who died in 1993. He played Mike Waters. He was in The Mosquito Coast and Stand By Me. Keanu Reeves played Scott Favor. He was in the Bill and Ted movies and the John Wick movies. James Russo played Richard Waters. He was in Django Unchained and Open Range. William Richard played Bob Pigeon. He was in The Client and Manic. Rodney Harvey, who died in 1998, played Gary. He was in Twin Peaks and The Outsiders TV series. Uh, Chiara, I think might be how you say her name. Uh, Chiara Caselli played Carmela. She was in Beyond the Clouds and Ripley's Game. Michael Parker played Digger. He was in Drugstore Cowboy and Even Cowgirls Get the Blues. Jessica Mackinson played Denise. She was in South Park and Halfway Home. Flea played Bud. He was in Back to the Future and Baby Driver. Grace Zabriskie played Elena. She was in Armageddon and Wild at Heart. Uh, Tom Troop played Jack Favor. He was in Star Trek, the original series, and Summer School. And Udo Kier played Hans, and he was in Blade and Downsizing. In this loose... um, I think we're going to call this a very, very loose adaptation um, of Shakespeare's Henry the Fourth. There's a little bit of the Henry the Fourths. I think there might have been a little bit of Henry the Fifth in there too. Uh, Mike Waters is a gay hustler afflicted with narcolepsy. Scott Faber is the rebellious son of a mayor. Together, the two travel from Portland, Oregon to Idaho and finally to the coast of Italy in a quest to find Mike's estranged mother. Along the way, they turn tricks for money and drugs, eventually attracting the attention of a wealthy benefactor and sexual deviant. Oh, 
always know where I am by the way the road looks. Look, I just know that I've been here before. I just know that I've been stuck here. Mike? I'm extremely excited. Don't worry. Everything's gonna be all right. You men make yourselves comfortable. I'll be right back. She's cool, because it takes her a little while to get warmed up. It's normal, nothing kinky. <laughs> Where is my son, Scott? We don't know, sir. Hey, Mike, how long have I been here on the streets, on this crusade? It's been three years, Mike. Yeah, almost four years. That's a long time. And then I have to think of you and what a degenerate you are. Don't think that, Father. River Phoenix. If I had a normal family and a good upbringing, then I would have been a well-adjusted person. Depends on what you call normal. Well, you know, normal, like, like a mom and a dad and a dog. So you didn't have a normal dog? Keanu Reeves. When I turn 21, I don't want any more of this life. I will change when everybody expects it the least. From the director of Drugstore Cowboy, this road will never end. It probably goes all around the world. My own private Idaho. All right. So initial question, as we always do, is this the first time you've seen this one? And how does this movie make you feel in a short word or phrase? I'll, I'll, go, ahead and, I'll go ahead and kick us off. Um, first time I've seen it. I've never seen it before. And how does it make me feel? I felt... Hmm. Um, maybe that's my answer. Hmm. Um, I felt confused. This is not, I'll, I'll, I'll elaborate just a tiny bit and then more later on. Um, this is not my style of movie. While I found some of the, the story pieces to it interesting, the just constant jumping back and forth between genres, um, and styles of filmmaking, like the abrupt changes like that. Not usually my cup of tea, so that's that's probably kind of where I, I come in on the side of feeling confused. I was I was interested enough the entire time for it to hold you know my attention, but and the story to me was interesting. The characters were interesting. Um, it just the and the visuals were interesting. Just maybe the way it was edited, maybe the way it was all pulled together. Um, it just some of it was a bit too jarring or abrupt for what I normally. Normally like to watch. But we'll, we'll go into more of that later on. So, who else? Uh, first first time watching it, how to make you feel? All right, I'll go. Um, so, it's, I, I, I don't know if I can classify, I, okay, it's the first time I've seen it all the way through, let's just put it that way. I could not remember this film for a long time, and now I kind of know why, but um, I remember seeing parts of it. I remember fast-forwarding maybe through parts of it, thinking, like, I remember a scene that they showed on probably you know, Siskel and Ebert or something where they're out in, the, you know, it's the campfire scene type of thing and there's dialogue. And I'm thinking, oh, it's like, a, you know, one of those kind of outdoor my private Idaho 
Um, so that's what I was expecting. And I know that I must have just turned it off being 2021 20, at the time. It was probably about 21 because I would not go into a theater to see it. But I, it was either on VHS cable something or my dad. I, some, somehow it got into our house and we were kind of starting to watch. I'm, I want to guess cable probably. Um, and that's why I must have turned. I, I kind of knew why after about five minutes why I probably turned it off. And then... So if my, my words are how it makes me feel, I would, here's my thing. It's going to be, all right, let me prepare here. It's, huh? Okay. Huh? Eh, that's it. Four words. I, I, I like, I like, I feel validated in hearing you guys, uh, what you're saying. Cause that was exactly how I felt like, watching it. So, I mean, everything you guys said for Pat just kind of summed it up much more eloquently. So I'm, I'm just going to say ditto. Um, it was, uh, confused and, uh, um, then like Dennis, I, you had your four words. That was, that was perfect. So for me, it was just, yeah, the, the way it was, the, the way it was all assembled, it just seemed very, uh, disjunct. So, kind of left with a bit of a question mark and and i don't want to say surprised like oh these are the guys that drugstore cowboy i like was was very taken by that movie i really enjoyed that movie like i said this one eh, a little different oh so yeah i mean like everybody else i was confused for different parts of it um there were parts of it that made me smile i mean i I, it was my first time seeing it um when the when the when the obvious shakespearean roots popped in it was it it made me smile a little because i was trying to figure out why they chose there like what is it about this scene that they wanted it to sound like a shakespearean soliloquy you know what why now and not a scene from five minutes ago um, but then as you come to read about how the movie came together, that it was three different story thoughts thrown into one, then you can start to see that stuff. Um, but it was very confusing to watch. And until, until you read more about it, you definitely don't understand what's happening a lot. Um, yeah. And I'm still not sure I understood, like, if it had a a single point, you know, that it was trying to make plot or message. I'm like, you know, when you walk, yeah, it's like, you're trying to figure out what was the message. I mean, another way, if I were to say how I felt about, I I think part of me was a little bit because, you know, my daughter is back in town. This was on her list. She's a a Joaquin Phoenix river Phoenix fan. Mm. And uh, she has a list of movies from old to, you know, from, from all time she wants to knock off her list and this was one of them and i go hey this is the podcast this week let's knock this one off so let's watch this together within the first five minutes i'm like hey you want to keep watching this <laughs> this is a this is a daddy movie to be watching with and your I'm dad like, you're just about 21 so or 2021 right now and i'm like it's just we we've seen probably it'll just plow through it, it's going to get better <laughs> And then about halfway through, we kind of kept going, keep going, or what do, we, what do you want to do? 
my break snack time. <laughs> There's a lot of those moments. Then we and I think our, our overall impression, she said exactly, you know, what I said. She goes, I'm just, I feel like it's gotta get better, you know, and I'm waiting for it to get better. And it starts to seem like it might get better, and then it doesn't get better. And then you know, no, but it's gotta get better. And then Han shows very up. highly rated. Highly rated, reviewed movie by so many people and critics, and hailed as this, you know, uh, just great thing. And and we we just didn't see it, and we're just like, is it us? You know. I believe um, also this one is preserved by the Criterion Collection as well. Yes. yes. I th- yeah. Just like next week's. Uh, and my thing was, I'm you know, I'm not. I think I'm not. Um, what's the word? Uh, arrogant enough to think that I get everything. So I'm thinking maybe this is just me and I'm missing something and I get the Henry, the, you know, but I don't, I just don't, I don't see that. Like, I know it's kind of very loosely in there, but I just don't get the point and what's the message. And, you know, and maybe I'm missing it. Maybe there's something more meaningful or more profound that's supposed to be here. And I'm just missing it. Yeah. Yeah. There was, I, I mean, I was trying to, so I'm thankful that you guys are all sort of on the same page because now it's making me think that, okay, that no, this is not, it wasn't, it wasn't just me not getting it. Yeah. Unless we all just don't get it. Well, yeah. <laughs> Which if there's someone out there, I would love to hear somebody, if somebody like types in or responds or whatever, who has a great kind of rebuttal to what we're probably going to say tonight, I'd love to hear it, to be honest with you. I mean, I've read some reviews here and there, some positive ones, and I'm like, nah, I mean, so far nothing's convinced me. Yeah. I've all, I've just more agreed with any any of the kind of you see a lot of things non story no story um, you know I and I also have a few little kind of I guess maybe more serious criticisms of it you know as we can go maybe which we could explore as we go on I guess well and I even like the like the framing device of using his narcolepsy to kind of jump between different styles and different you know, even different like filming methods and types of film and, you know, all that different stuff, even using that, like I would expect that you're using that to say either he is, he's been asleep for most of his life and this is some event is going to wake him up or this is going to be some kind of an awakening for him. But I feel like you get back to, I mean, you get to the end of the movie and you're back on the same road and I can't tell you what, has happened to cause him to awaken in any way or anything that's changed. I mean, that's part of, you know, you think of when you write, when you write a story of some kind, you kind of want your character to progress in some way or, you know, come to some kind of realization by the end of the story. And in this one, I I mean, they've traveled, they've traveled across the world and came back and I don't feel like he's any different gone anywhere yeah Yeah. he hasn't gone anywhere he's no different than he was in the beginning of the movie and then i thought well that might be the point you know that feeling of that they want to leave you with that feeling of kind of like nothing happened here which to me then the tone of the movie and i think i don't know maybe it was pat who said something was there a little bit of or maybe it was i don't know who said something or kind of lighter moments or some funny piece in there and i thought well maybe this is like a very serious Serious, like maybe there's a serious message about this life that's out there of people, but they almost with the narcolepsy, I feel, is there a little bit of exploiting and making fun of a mental illness, of it not a mental, but of an illness? And then is there also the exploitation of people who are prostitutes down and out, lost lives who are looking and searching for their place in the world? 
is there almost a, it almost felt like a little bit of a mockery and I guess that, or an exploitation to a degree versus any real deep dive into something meaningful that would make me walk away and going, wow, this life is out there. And I think back, you know, and I'm going to, you know, you got to throw it like, I'm just jumping back to 2021. And as a 2021 year old, I'm not going to say I was, um, I would never, I, I, I feel I'm a pretty inclusive and very open person and many, you know, like into each their own and respect everything. But obviously back then in 2021, I'm going to a Lutheran college for a couple of years as well. We had a philosophy class. There was, you know, moral questions about, you know, homosexuality, things like that. And it was always interesting to explore that. So like who defines what's normal? And I've always been kind of open in that way. But I'm thinking back as a 2020 year old is this film is some subconscious turnoff to me because it involves you know, characters that I don't necessarily understand um, or identify with. But then I threw, I did this thing. I threw two female prostitutes in there and I get the same feeling. Like if you put two female prostitutes and give them the same plot line, I'm walking out with the same feeling. So I know it's not that. And I just couldn't figure out why this doesn't click with me. And I'm just, you know, I was like, again, cause I had heard this was like, the hopes were high for this film going in cause of river Phoenix and I just walked away going, is it me? Is there something that's blocking me enjoying this film or getting the message? Um, but yeah, I, it's, it, it, I thought about this one for a, definitely a couple, like a, a day or two. And then it's weird. I've almost forgotten all of it. It's weird. Well, uh, and I'm not. Then it left me just as much as it left me probably back then in 2021 where I didn't, but I didn't see the whole film, but I saw enough to go like, no, nah, I can't like sit through this right now. And well, I and I, and I, I compared to that, uh, you know, the earlier work of uh, Drugstore Cowboy, where I mean that w- that too was not a lifestyle that I lived or could understand. The movie is 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 a little bit more complete in that you understand the characters' motivations. You get to know the characters. There's development. There's and just saying what you said. We we took the whole movie. They did the whole journey, and now they're right back where they started. Um. But in this, because it, it just came across as so scatter shot, I, I it was everything was very surface level, um, and like you said, it was it was people that living lives that you know I can't empathize with, um, and maybe empathize is the wrong word, but maybe identify with. Okay, that's fine. But again, like their motivations were not real well fleshed out like why are we doing this why are they going here why did this happen you know like i'm i'm still kind of confused in terms of the keanu reeves character who was like his buddy then he meets the girl then he's kind of leaving his friend and then the next time you see him he like doesn't even want to acknowledge that part of his life and he's trying to mix with his you know his uh higher end higher echelon society friends kind of thing. And it was like, okay, so why nothing in the film kind of shows us, at least that I remember why he was wanting to do that. Now, if there was, if that was clear as day in the film and I just missed it, well, okay, then I just missed it. But it seems like the whole thing was like that. And you know, why are they on the journey? Why are they doing this? Why? Why are they putting on the pink robes and chasing the people through the park? And why, I, none of that really seemed to be clearly stated in the movie. 
So, so one of the one of the things that because uh, I read a couple of different because I I was like I'm lost so I'm going to go online and I'm going to find a couple of other reviews and I'm going to read what the other people are saying about this and because I, I mean I don't want to be I don't want to be that person that's like I don't get the movie so it's stupid um, right you know I, that's I don't want that to ever be my response with with any movie I don't understand so I was trying to understand and some of what I read and I and I get it and I understand what those you know what these reviews are saying. Um, it still is not. I don't know. It just. It, it's just not my movie. It's. I don't know that yeah. it's. It's not for well, me necessarily. But what these what these reviews are saying is basically it's an exploration of um, either love lost or love never realized, and so just kind of this whole exploration of and maybe that starts with his mother. You know, the idea of not having his mother around. Um, and that being a trigger for his narcolepsy, and then he wants to love, you know, Keanu Reeves's character, and he, you know, wants a father figure. You know, these these guys want a father figure in. You know, the one guy practically has two dads, um, and then you know, uh, River Phoenix's character is uh, what's his his dad is also his brother. So you've got the messed up relationship there. Um, you know, so I think I, I can understand that if part of the message of the movie or part of the purpose of the movie is an exploration of just showing you maybe there's no point. Maybe there maybe the point is you're never going to realize, you know, a love that will fulfill you. Maybe that's what he's trying to say, which is kind of sad, um, but maybe you'll never realize that. So you just you end up on the same road you were always on before, even after you went through these experiences of trying to find love, even going halfway across the world to find love uh either whether from your mother or when Keanu falls in love with the Italian girl um you know maybe that's what it's supposed to be and i can see that like when i when i think back to watching the movie uh last week i'm like all right well i can see that as it being an exploration of that kind of idea but i just i don't know I, you come back to the same spot you started in and i just don't really feel like the characters moved at all and maybe that's the point maybe they weren't supposed to move but then at the same time i'm like well I, then maybe i'm just a simpleton that likes my characters to make a little progress no oh. I, I i hear what you're saying sorry dennis go ahead i cut across go ahead, go ahead pat you're just not back I, I was just gonna say real quick i compare it to another art form I, you know i remember in my studies uh learning about different kinds of music that hey we like music that's uh, a song and dance. Most of the music we listen to can either fall into a song or a dance, right? It's lyrical and beautiful to listen to. It's rhythmic and we want to move. Whatever, whether it's pop, hip hop, classical, whatever. If you present us with music that's not of those categories, that's a challenge to us. And many times, unless you just like stuff that's different or weird or whatever, you need that explanation of, okay, this is what you're listening to. This is why it sounds that way. And, and it takes a while. You need to check out different pieces. You need to read about it. You really need to take an active role to understand music that isn't presented as either song or, or dance, right? Pop music, we can understand right away, right? It's a groove. It's a hip hop thing. It's, um, it's a, a electronics dance music. It makes you want to move good or old school pop music, whatever, right? Go back to the Middle Ages. Pop music from back then was the same thing, right? It had a rhythm. People would dance their dances to it. Or it was some beautiful song that you'd like to listen to, right? We can understand that. And it could be high end or it could be low end. But as long as it falls into those categories, we'll get it. The same thing with movies. 
if you give us a movie that has high-end concepts and all that kind of thing, as long as, you know, it's got entertaining acting in it and all that, oh my gosh, this is great. When you're presented with something that's pretty different or that's experimental or you can get into that, but you need a lot of explanation in terms of, okay, what am I looking at? Why am I thinking like everything that you just started to explain? And, and that's what I, when I watch this movie, I apply that, that thought process to this. Okay. There's bits of it that, okay, I'm kind of laughing at that or, Hey, that's cool. Or, but when you string it all together, I'm like, all I notice is the stuff that I'm missing. And, and what it comes down to is just like music. I like music. That's either song or dance movies. I like movies that are, telling me a clear story, whether it's going to make me laugh, cry. Yeah. Action. Uh, or, you know, whatever, when you don't have that, it's hard and you really need someone I need, not you. I need someone to take me by the hand and explain it to me and sit down and, and go through it piece by piece. And maybe I have to have the companion guide to read along with as I'm watching it to help me out. Maybe I see, need to see this a couple of times, but whatever is going on, it, it's real hard to wrap my head around and understand what the message is because I'm having an understanding or a hard time understanding exactly what I'm watching. So there's an interesting little piece. I was starting to starting to read it on uh, the trivia section on IMDB. And I will, I will, you know, since we try to stay family friendly, I will edit out a word or two. Uh, it says a short scene was cut from the end. It showed that the driver of the car that picked up Mike was his brother and that Mike would be safe with his family. Uh, and then Gus Van Zant is quoted as saying, I cut that end bit for a couple of reasons. First, it really tied everything up in a nice little bow. I think it works much better with the ambiguity. Second, I realized in editing that the movie was about making your own families, not being tied to the one you're born with. And Mike's brother had been portrayed as kind of a jerk. Uh, so maybe ending up with his family isn't for the best. Who knows in the, who's in that car? Could be the love of his life who takes him to Italy. I don't know. I thought it was Hans. Oh, could be. Mike, I'm very excited. <laughs> it's wonderful to see you again. I almost went the other. Like I went more the ambiguity way, ambiguity, ambiguity way. Where it word today, um, in the sense that it felt almost like a hopeless, dangerous sort of thing. Like, you know, somebody just picking him up and there's this kid, like he was there to be exploited and to be taken advantage of. And I felt like, you know, the narcolepsy I'm, I'm guessing is just like, you know, obviously it's his way of dealing with the abandonment of his mom and his family and upbringing and all that. Cause every time he had thoughts of her or things like that, he would start to shake and it would like trigger in this high stressful situations. So it's kind of like he has this weakness and it's just going to continually be exploited by strangers. That's what I took from the ending that he didn't go anywhere from the beginning. It started off where he was basically being exploited by a stranger. And then, you know, and then where, where I felt like he almost felt like he didn't have a choice where, um, where um, Kino's character was rebelling and everything he was doing was a choice. Um so one person had a, a bit of a choice of like, I've got this life, but I hate my dad. So I'm going to rebel right now. The other one is I never had really a family and my mom, you know, all these other, like his, his whole screwed up kind of, he was running away from it. 
not out of rebelliousness, but out of a sense, sense for some sort of belonging. And that's where I then think the campfire scene shows a contrast of those two worlds where one was like, Hey, I don't, I don't sleep. You know, I don't like whatever, like, uh, I only do it for money. Like it's, it's just business. It's a choice for me. And I'm just doing it this way where the other one, he just was lost. So there's this lost kid trying to connect with this other person who's almost like doing it out. And that's how he could be so cold when he sees him later as like, because it was all just a rebellious kind of F you to your dad, to his dad. And then when his dad died, he took over that life and came out of that where Mike didn't have those options. You know, he was mm-hmm. stuck in that and that was the way he was. So I don't know. It just was a very hopeless ending to me, not a hopeful ending. And I was hoping for all, if there was one character in the movie you wanted some hope for it was Mike. Cause he just seems to be the most abused um, lost soul throughout the whole thing. And that doesn't change. So what's, you know, and again, is that the point? I don't know. But I think for Gus Van Sant to say, Hey, maybe it was some lady from Italy or whatever. Like if that's what he said, I'm like, no, I don't buy that. That doesn't work for me at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know. I never got any idea that that was somebody who was, I, I, we both an autumn, you know, my daughter too, I think both had the same thing of like this feeling of like, that's like, uh, just a hopeless ending. Like, thank you. I can't get this hour and whatever, you know, half back. And right. I, I what was, what I, was your point of movie other than making me feel, I know this world exists. I know people like this exist and you can either shine light on that so we can do something about that or you can, but if you're just kind of showing it to me and in a way, like I said, coming back to sort of the, the tying in with the Henry the fourth and the mock, a little bit of the mockish sort of like, the, the introducing all those different characters on the, 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 the gay um, magazines. I felt it was like almost like a mockery exploitation sort of, I, I, that's the vibe I got. And I don't know why I couldn't get that. And that's why I almost didn't like it in that term of, I felt like it was a little voyeuristic sort of, I don't know. And, and, and I guess, you know, and I'll throw this out there too. And I'm not sure that I, I, I'm not, I'm not slandering anybody. I'm just saying that I know that there was some time period back in the day and I love Goodwill hunting and I love what he did with that. And I love many other Gus, Gus Van Sant films, but it's hard not to watch this film in the light of Hollywood and, you know, the Harvey Weinstein and, and the, you know, all the different kind of scandals that are out there, how it's been, you know, so many characters and so many people have said that this has been a norm of people exploiting people. Um, and I know that in some, I, I try to look it up and I can't say that's so why I don't want to slander anybody, but I'm like, I know that on some things there was a list of like all these names and, you know, and, and Gus Van Sant was one of those names of like, you know, exploiting young people in Hollywood and, you know, and you wonder why so many of them have the drug issues and sort of, you know, and early deaths and like with the river Phoenix. And uh, I mean, there's been so many who've claimed, uh, what was it? The, um, who's the uh felt Corey Haim you know there's so many out there and I'm like it's just it spilled into some of maybe this experience too I don't know because I felt there was a lot of sort of exploitation feeling to me in this thing yes I felt it's interesting here you say that about the end because I felt the same way like with that one person because the the other people came and they did exploit him they like took his boots they took I think they took his wallet and they said that right before exactly somebody took all of them and then all of a sudden another person to do with him it's probably worse than taking the boots that's kind of the feeling i had yeah because i did then that second person pulls up and like oh what's this person kind of looks right yeah 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 yeah. like hey here's this kid out in the middle of the road that no one knows he's obviously like either on drugs or passed out or whatever i can i'm not there to help there's no phone you know like like there's no idea of like i there's no sense of somebody helping somebody or checking on somebody it was kind of like hey just throw this person in the car and i'm gonna right have my way Mm mm-hmm 
And again, maybe that was because the whole movie was kind of taking me into a negative tone versus a any sort of positive or hopeful one as much as you wanted one to be there. I, the, you know, and again, without bashing everything, I mean, I think the campfire and what I think John, you said, you know, like the, the, like the loves, like, um, love lost and love never experienced and all that. And it was like kind of Keanu Reeves character was obviously had the dad who was so busy who never, you know, was all business and, and never, um, um, was there for him. So there was no love there, but then there were, you know, like, and then there was, um, Mike's character, you know, so it was like here, he, that campfire scene, was probably the best scene of the movie, you know, um, in terms of acting. And I think, and, and sort of an attempt to get to characters and, and even that was pretty sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That scene comes up a lot now. in the reviews and, yes, and what, and there's, there's some stories about how like that whole scene was written and partially yeah. directed by river. And I mean, it's awesome for yeah. sure. But again, you can throw in anything. You could throw male, female characters in there. You could throw anything mm-hmm. that's on that love. That's I think people. That's what the one piece people can maybe identify is where you had, you know, expressing love for somebody that wasn't returned, and um, you know, so that that was the more relatable piece of everything for me. It was that probably scene of like, oh, all that okay, and that's sad. But what's going to happen? Then you're hoping that like that like that's why later on with him knowing this, the fact that he could then completely ignore him later on. And it was, he really his best friend. He said he was his best friend, but really, you know, I just, I, I don't know. I just, you feel for Mike at the end of the whole thing. And, and it's like, there's a lost kid who's just literally destroyed. And, and thank you for showing me that. I really feel better about the world. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like irreversible. The movie we had yeah. talked about before I had yeah. a very similar feeling of irreversible. I remember that movie. I think we had talked about it maybe on another podcast before yeah, where it goes backwards and it's, yeah, um, I watched, I watched it. Pat's favorite Monica Bellucci's in that. And, you know, and there's just some, please tell me, Pat, please tell me you didn't watch it. Watch. And then in the end you're like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Life's great. <laughs> Happy Monday. <laughs> yeah. Pat, please tell me you didn't watch that one. Uh, that, would, that would have broken several TVs. Yeah, at an, yeah. At, at attempt to get to that guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm go. I'm coming through the screen, man. Yes, coming through the screen at you. He's a race car in the red. It's, yeah, and you know. Have you, have you all, Bo? Have you seen Irreversible? I feel I. It's ringing bells. When you said the name, it didn't. But then, as you said more, I was like. Oh, the movie goes yes. backwards. The movie yes. goes backwards, and you start to see things unveil that happen along the way. And uh, yeah, and there's some yeah. pretty intense. Yeah, probably one of the most intense scenes I've ever. Literally, remote in hand, picked up several times. Stop button, almost pressed. Yep. Looking at Shannon at the time, and do we stop this? Do we stop this? I feel like I shouldn't be watching this. Yeah, that yeah. kind of mm-hmm. like make it stop. Yeah. Hmm. where this wasn't that extreme, but there's still that feeling of, ugh. and again, is that Gus Van Sant's goal? Well, and, and, and I'm going to keep comparing it to drugstore cowboy. I watched that movie and there was a compelling story there. I, I, I wanted to see what happened to the characters and there was a message in there, a very poignant message as I remember. And there was an, 
an interesting story and the characters like I, I I really couldn't relate to them and it was there was some parts that kind of made you cringe but I kept watching because I I wanted to find out what happened to the characters in this I'm never given a chance to get to know the characters so why do I care about them yeah there's difficult scenes and yeah okay well this happens and that's not the best and hey it's yeah I I just, I, I couldn't find myself understanding all the characters' motivations and the why. And without that, it's hard to invest in the movie. Even if there's stuff that's oh, going to make me cringe and, oh, why am I watching all this? I was just more confused. Like, what's the, like, what are the motivations? You know, why is this happening? And a few, a few of those things I could piece together but it's sort of like, hey, if I'm piecing it all together and I'm putting it all, well, then the movie's not doing it. So that cycles back to why I'm not fully invested in the movie. Yeah. You know, the whole, fun- the whole funeral scene with the two funerals going side by side, two extremes. I kind of get the kind of the wealthy and then the poor, you know, if there's a play in that with society and, uh, you know, I don't know. I just, there was, that was just. You know, what would be the odds that that funeral's happening at the same time that that's... And I get that there's an intent to that, and that's what he's doing. But it was just it was just all kind of just, like, I think maybe, Pat, did you say disjointed earlier or something? Yeah, disjunct. Oh, I said disjunct, but disjointed, yeah. Yeah, there's just like, oh, yeah, and it... I don't know. I think it would have... I feel like, it, yeah, I don't know, maybe they could... It, maybe it would have been better film had they gone with more of a traditional, more serious versus all the artsy kind of maybe the artsy stuff is what screws us up. I don't know. Like I, I really, I, I still can't put a, a complete. Um, yeah. Just the, the, the different, like, you know, showing the, the house, I get with the metaphor when that, when that little cabin comes on the road and crashes and then you wake up and he's with this guy, Bob or not Bob, but this other dude. And it's like, you know, starting off the movie like that. Like I get those little kind of, it's not clockwork orange ish, but it's yeah. sort of like just, you know, like the, the magazine covers and all that. Like it just, it was just a weird, very artsy film, but I almost feel it would have, it would have stayed more true to a explore these characters, explore the relationships and you know, maybe give us some hope. You don't have to end with completely all hope or whatever, cause it's can be realistic and gritty, but I just feel like there was, I don't like the tone mixed with the subject there. I don't know. I, there's just something that just rubbed me the wrong way. And I don't know. So question about the time that this movie is made and Dennis, maybe this is a question that you can answer a little bit better because you were older than the rest of us when, you know, Mm -hmm. we're talking like late 80s, early Mm -hmm. 90s-ish. So one of the things that I think this movie is trying to reflect a little bit is just kind of like a feeling of aimlessness. And sometimes you look back on like the culture of teenagers in the late 80s on through the 90s and you kind of just have this sense of everybody's just kind of aimless. Like we don't, even in TV shows and sitcoms and things like that, kind of reflected this idea of, well, we don't really know where we want to go or what we want to do. I mean, did that, you know, I, I think you said earlier that you, you wouldn't have seen this in the theater or anything like that, but would there have been anything of that kind of a story if it had focused on the idea of being a teenager in the early 90s I mean, did you, as, as a person, did you feel any of that? Yeah, I just feel kind of aimless right now. And I would, I'd relate to a story that reflected that. I think it's possible, but again, like alluding back to like the, you know, where I was like in life, I was, I mean, I was just, 
I was sheltered from a lot of that world. You know, you're raised, you know, Catholic, you're, and I think that has something. And so just different family structure and close family and brothers and, you know, and, and um, I don't know, like this just seemed like the seedy underworld that I had known. So I, that blocked me, I think, probably from watching that. And then again, I'm guessing watching the first five minutes where you see, you know, him um, receiving oral sex from another, from this, from this just stranger old guy would have creeped me out back then. So that would have blocked any sort of connection I might've had to this theme of, because I think everybody feels it. I know my kids are feeling it right now. They're both at that age of like, what am I going to do with my life? And what do I do? And, you know, I have dreams, but people say that you don't shoot for dreams because it's not realistic. And, you know, and you're and do this and just drop into the nine to five world. And do, you know, so you're, you're, I think every kid goes through that. I think that the, the way this was presented though, would have prevented me from making that connection to that piece that I might've identified with. There was the, you know, again, you have the, um, homosexuality block and you have the just the seediness when again whether this was prostitutes and whether it was you know females male female doesn't matter um, this would have been something that like for me I, I would have been more in shock because that world was not something that I was accustomed to or used to seeing and it was would have turned me off to getting at any deeper message about the angst sort of feeling of teens at the time I would not have identified with it then but yeah at that time I think we all felt that you know um, I mean, we were growing up in a world where people were thinking also like, you know, you had the, the Reagan years and, you know, and, and the cold war, you know, you had all the nuclear day after and a lot of those things happening. So it was always like, what's the point of like going and doing nothing? Like there was not, I wasn't like that, but there was, I know people were like, what's the point of me going to college because we're just going to blow the world up, you know? And like that threat was there and, and people had felt that. And I think there was a sense of angst and hope, hopelessness and, and what do I do with my life? And does it matter? And is it just all going to be for now? Like there are people I know who had that and felt that, but I wouldn't have made the connection with this film with that because those other blocks based on me not being able to identify with that would have been a turnoff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were TV shows that you would say that were like that, that you, you were saying there was TV shows at the time. What would be, I, I guess I'm searching for some. Well, I'm just thinking of like, you know, you'd have, I feel like you had characters in different shows that I, I don't know. I just feel like in the nineties in particular, you just kind of had a lot of characters that were, I, for lack of a better term, uh, kind of a bum. Um, I, I, one that one that jumps to mind right now is um, you know you have somebody like the TV show Blossom that had mm-hmm. um, uh, was it Joey Lawrence that was his name? You know yeah. I, his character. I feel like you had whoa. you know whoa. Um, I feel like in different shows in the '90s, you almost always had some kind of a character that was like that. And I mean in the '80s as well. But I don't know. It just for some reason it seems like. And maybe it was because I grew up more in the 90s. I was a teenager in the 90s that that seems, looking back on it, it seems a little bit more prevalent. But maybe, I mean, was, maybe it was always there. Fresh um, Prince, there's Growing Pains, yeah. Family Matters. Let's see, I always felt there was this kind of female element to it and a hope, uh, hopefulness to those mm-hmm. shows as well. And like, you know, while Fresh Prince, we know we discussed that in a previous yeah. episode, had some very heavy themes to it. Yeah. You know, there was always hope. There was always, uh, what's his name, the dad. Uh, I can't think of the dad's name right now. Um, you know, uh, what's his name? What's the dad in Fresh Prince? You guys should know that. The <sighs> the the dad or the father figure? The, the father figure, I mean, yeah. Uncle Phil. Basically, yeah, Phil, yeah, Uncle yeah. Phil. Like, there was always that to yeah. ground you, yeah. to give you hope. 
And so I never really felt that it was that. So if anything, it helped you move through those where I guess this is where I feel like that movie's missing that. And here is the attempt mm-hmm. to be Bob. Is Bob supposed to be that father figure that, you know, right. that Keanu Reeves character never had Steve? And I'm like, but then he's really just exploiting him too. And he even says that. And even like Steve sort of like gets that he did that, you know, like yeah. he took, like he was a pedophile basically. And it was because I assume he was much younger when that all, you know, went down. But um, yeah, I just, I, I don't, I can't, I, I feel this is ineffective in the way where if it would have pulled from some of those TV shows where you can cover that territory, but also you got, I feel like you got to give, I feel like you get, you should be giving some people hope. I think that's what people go to movies for. I guess it maybe comes down to that. You know, you can shock us. You can make us feel disgusted. You can make us feel angry at something, but I think you want to leave the audience with some sort of sense of hope of something that they can do. Otherwise you've made the, in my opinion, the filmmaker has made the world a little bit more darker versus, Hey, I identify with the darkness. It's there but there's always glimmers of there's glimpses of light light. And I don't know if that's really the case in here. Mm-hmm. Like one of the darkest, <laughs> one of the darkest, most just like horrible films is in terms of like content is uh, it's a beautiful life. Like I love that film. I mean, you think about what happens in there and in that film, it's a beautiful life. It's, 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 it's a, it's a horrible like event that's happening and bad things happen and even bad things happen to the characters that you love. But at the end, there's just this element of hope that's still there. And I think you could take people in the dark waters and deep waters, but man, throw them a, throw them a, uh, life preserver, you know? Yeah. And I feel like there was no life preserver in this film. Yeah. I can't think of one positive thing to take out of this. Like, wow, well this happened. I mean, can you, can anybody, No, where's one ray of sunshine in this thing? Yeah. I don't know where there is. Is it to say that Steve got out and Steve was now, you know, with the, the, the high, high, you know, the, the high class society? No. Cause he was also kind of a jerk to people that he said he, that he cared about. Right. You know? well, it seems like that was always his plan. And it was, but like, even then would there be like, I'm just saying, so like there's never, so he wasn't really the greatest guy either because it was kind of his plan. And, and um, did he exploit that whole situation? Like, this is just the way I rebel. You're and like, in other words, I almost feel like that, like, like Steve's character exploited this as a way to rebel and get back at his dad, mm-hmm. where those people, yeah. it was a way of life. And he used their way of life just as a, as a, as a rebelliousness. And then when he didn't need it anymore, it was like F you, you know, and that, I don't know. I'm still processing this film. obviously. <laughs> Yeah, it was like like I said after I saw it, me and Autumn talked very little, little bit about it, and it was just like, and we couldn't quite. It was just disappointing because we were expecting something better. And again, now I am not going to say that the performances were excellent; they were excellent. I'm talking about story and content. I'm not talking about performances by you know River, and it's always great, great actor. Shame that he had, yeah, yeah. It just makes you sad about that too, maybe you know. I had read somewhere too, when I was looking up some of the stuff and somebody had said that, you know, maybe he was a victim of all this being a young, you know, cute, you know, pretty much heartthrob kid growing up. And, and, and then he also had him and Joaquin uh, grew up in a very almost cult like family. And you wonder if there was issues of abuse and different things there. And did those things lead to, you know, his drug dependency and his untimely death? You know, I don't know. It's just, 
it make so all those things make you think like I don't know. There's just a lot of that kind of boiled into it, and then you lose this person who's a great actor. So, yeah, because it didn't it didn't buy like Joaquin and River are famously vegan, and you know, and usually vegans are pretty empathetic, whether it's your animals or whether it's you know health, whatever. So, but then to do the drugs sort of goes against being the healthy vegan type of thing. So, is there some sort of underlying trauma? you know, that causes somebody to try, you know, so you, so you can play in all that. Me and Autumn talked a little bit about that as well, but yeah, we are wondering. And then when you have the, the light of all the stuff that goes on in Hollywood, yeah, you wonder. Yeah. It's just a hopeless film, man. It's just, ugh. Yeah, it's not a whole lot redeeming about it. I remember, I think we like, after it was over, it's like, Autumn does this with horror films. So whenever we watch a good scary movie or a good horror film, it's like, okay, before I go to bed, we need to put on some cartoons. We need, on <laughs> need a palate cleanser. Yeah. There's something funny. And I think we went to Superstore or something like that and watched a couple episodes because you need something to, to go to bed where you're not just sitting there like, God, life sucks. <laughs> well, like we'll watch, you know, we'll be watching episodes of like Yellowstone or something like that. And it might be a pretty rough episode, and somebody's just, you know, beating somebody else nearly to death. And it's like, all right, well, it's about time to go to bed. You want to just, like, real quick put on an episode of Cheers? Yeah. <laughs> so that's what we needed to do in this thing. Just so, so we like, get some sleep tonight? Yeah. All right. Well, do we have anything else we want to say about this one before we jump into three questions? No? Go watch something a little more hopeful? <laughs> Unless you just want to come away from... Watching a movie feeling this way, yeah, yeah. So you you had uh, you wanted to talk about uh, well, it's Pat. So uh, <laughs> we need to talk motorcycles I, for a moment. Yeah, well, yeah Pat, I, Pat said it was getting better at one point. And it was when the motorcycle popped up. Yeah. yeah, like all of a sudden he comes on screen riding that uh, Norton Commando, and I mean, great sound, and and it was a it was a fun scene, you know, like the way it was shot where he was going down the road and the whole thing. And then they had like the, the, the clutch lever cam that I thought that was pretty cool. You know, it was, it was, um, you know, watching that and, uh, just, uh, just an beautiful motorcycle. What an awesome bike. And it featured so much into the film and they, they really had, um, they really had some nice shots of that bike. I mean, you know, um, first of all, when you first see it, him riding it down the street was cool. And then when he was, um, trying to kickstart the thing, just seeing it from the back. That was a really great view of the bike. You know, the way the pipes come up and everything, um, just that rear shot, it just looked awesome. And then I think, what was the other shot that was great? Um, it was when he went, was it to his brother's house or wherever the heck it was. And you just see that it was that house and you see kind of the countryside behind it. And then the bike was just sitting there. And I think it was from the, like, like a three quarters to the right shot on the bike. And it just kind of was framed out nicely. And yeah, what a great motorcycle. And I, like I told Dennis, I'm like, yep, movie just got better. I can't tell you anything that was happening in those scenes other than that really awesome bike was going down the road. And, um, uh, you know, Keanu Reeves being, a um, uh, uh, you know, a, a motorcyclist and like, lover of motorcycles and I, you know, owner of a motorcycle manufacturing company, like the whole thing. Um, and, uh, um, 
I was like, I'm going to do some research because I bet you there's something with that bike. And I think that was his personal bike that he rode on a trip to go tell River Phoenix to convince River Phoenix to take this role. And that just makes it that much cooler. And the fact that I'm trying to figure out what Keanu's age was when he shot this movie. Um, but that that was his personal bike that he was riding around on a Norton commando, um, which at the time was only be about, you know, I think it was a 73 or a 74. So, I mean, what I'm, you know, my understanding, no math. I mean, that's a 17 year old bike, but yeah, dude, that's, that's a pretty sweet ride. So anyways, that's, uh, pretty cool stuff, man. 26, 27. Oh, was it was in this? He was twenty six or twenty seven. Born in sixty four, so seventy four, oh. eighty four. Yeah, so yeah, twenty seven. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know what? I thought that he was younger. So hey, yeah. whatever age, man, the guy has great taste in motorcycles. Keanu is just awesome, anyway. Um, but just what a great bike! And you're using your own bike in the movie. Um, which I want to say also, strangely enough, they did in um, Stone Cold. He was using his bike in that one, too. So That's right, yeah, man. Yep. Yeah. Which I think when they shot the band director, I think the guy that starred in the band director used his motorcycle in that movie. So yeah. I, it's, yeah. it's a good tradition. It's, it's, and, a, it's um, a common movie trope you see a lot. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, but yeah, just beautiful motorcycle. And, uh, the sound of it was great. I, I think that was the sound of a Norton. Um, if not, then, you know, whatever they used as the overdub sounded great. So I just, like I said, the motorcycle scenes really kind of, I would almost say worth the price of admission for this movie. Excellent. I would go back. I would go back. Like if I saw this on, I would be like, oh, I'm going to hit record and then I can just go back and fast forward to the bike scenes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I want to definitely give a shout out to that bike because yeah. Uh, the Norton I, You approved of the color, correct? Pardon me? You approved of the color? Yeah, it was that, was, it was that beautiful yeah. yellow. Because you tend to get uh, like, like, I don't know. Yeah, minor if like color of the bike makes a big difference for you. Yeah, I, definitely. But you know what? All the colors. I've got my favorite colors. You know, I love red and black are my two favorite colors. So I, you know, usually if I was going to buy a motorcycle, I'd have some scheme like that. But yeah, man, there's some bikes that just look good in certain colors. And that Norton looked great in yellow. Yeah. You know, like some Ducatis look great in black with gold pinstriping on them. Or maybe not pinstriping, but gold accents around it silver triumphs green triumphs red ducatis red hondas blue moons green clovers purple hearts yeah just you know what you should just probably mute my microphone and then i'll just talk for the next 45 minutes on cool colors for motorcycles Hey, you wanted to talk about the Norton Commando. I'm just excited that you get to go commando for a little bit. I oof, love it. And and that's the other thing, too, is they, you know, sometimes not necessarily the most reliable for long trips was kind of one of the problems with those bikes. Because um, especially when that was made, that's, I think, right when Norton, the company, you know, that was starting to go down. Because in the 70s, all the British bikes, they were struggling because the Japanese bikes had moved in and they were, 
you know, more uh, reliable and just kind of like evolved engineering wise. And so when you have a bike like that, like a vintage bike like that, you, you're, you're going to be working on it to keep it running. And now with the internet and all that kind of stuff, like, you know, you can get parts and all that, but back in the day, you'd have to go to swap meets or, you know, go have a mechanic that you knew that could get you parts for, you know, British motorcycles that were no longer made. And so, I mean, I mean, uh, Keanu's riding around on one in 91. I mean, that's just pretty sweet, man. But Keanu's awesome. You know what? Well, his name means a cool breeze or a, what was it? A chill breeze, a cool breeze over the mountains or something is what Keanu means. And, uh, dude, that's right. Cause the guy's got a pretty awesome motorcycle. Awesome. Yeah. I want to say I saw an interview with him and he was being interviewed in his garage where he had all the motorcycles and they had the bike used in the matrix. Um, uh, rev- uh, reloaded the one that Trinity escaped on with the key maker. And, um, um, like he was talking about that bike and he's like, yeah, this is the one and blah, 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 blah. And so I got it after the filming and it's great. And then he kind of pauses and he goes, you know, I'm, I'm doing a track day tomorrow and yeah, maybe we'll take this one. And he kind of looks off screen to like, I guess one of his buddies or whatever. He's like, Hey man, let's get the, let's get the Ducati. Let's get the matrix Ducati prep for the track tomorrow. I'm just like, okay, that's pretty sweet. That's pretty sweet. That's that, that whole like last 30 seconds was, yeah, I rewound that and watched that a couple of times. He's talking all about this movie bike and he's like, yeah, let's prep that one for the track. I'll ride that one tomorrow. I'm like, dude, you're awesome. That is great. Now, did you see this in pieces, Pat, the movie? I Like, did I fall to pieces while watching it or? Through watching it or because it sounded like you said that you had seen part of it. And then you told me, hey, it's getting better because the motorcycle came in. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. metaphorically, hey, it's going somewhere. Literally, they're going somewhere physically. On yeah. Story's going somewhere. And then in the end, it ends up with Hans, and it's so disappointing. Yeah, Hans? I know. That was kind of funny. I felt bad. And he ended up getting the motorcycle at the end, that guy. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was that was funny. Yeah, he gets the motorcycle, and then he gets pulled over. And then you're just kind of like, oh. Yeah. You're like, you know how fast you were going? You're too fast for this road. And it was kind of like, you know, due respect. I mean, Hey, you know, I, thanks for keeping us safe, but you're on a country road. Like you're only going to hurt yourself. I mean, let, is this where you're supposed to open up the motorcycle? Like, and, and I mean, like, honestly, that bike, I mean, if you're doing anything over, well, I mean, it's not like you're going to be doing 150 miles an hour on that. So you're probably, maybe you'll get a hundred. So, I mean, okay. I'm, you know, how much damage are you really going to do? I mean, you know, you're more like, if you're willing to take a vintage bike that fast, that it's bad on a road like that, like, Hey man, go for it. Like if you're, if you're gutsy enough to do that on a vintage bike like that, okay. You know, I, mean, I thought he like, was pulling him over cause the bike was stolen. Cause didn't they reference yeah. that earlier? Well, yeah. that's, that's yeah. yeah. Well, and then that was the funny part. They both, the two guys got pulled over and the bike was still in all that. And then the one guy <laughs> took off running, but he fell asleep in the middle Where's of running. He going? Away. <laughs> Why is he running? <laughs> yeah. He thinks he's, he doesn't like cops or whatever. <laughs> Well, that was the part I was going to call shenanigans because like I said, just going back vintage bike, you steal that, like whoever the owner is, it's not going to be up. Oh, okay. It's going to be like, I got to find my bike and you know, 
there's not a lot of Nortons rolling around. So it's a different version of taken. Yeah. <laughs> now that that's interesting, man. That's interesting. That's the next movie. Pat, somebody steals your way. It's kind of like Pee Wee's Big Adventure then. There you go. Yeah. Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. I'm starting Pat. That's the next film. Pat's Big Adventure. Yeah, that's right. Hey, hey guys. I, guys, I, guys, guys, I, I, I don't know who you are, and I, and I don't know what you want, but I'm just telling you right now, I have a very specific set of skills, and if you do not bring this bike back right now, I will hunt you down, I will find you, and I will kill you. I'm gonna go get some food real quick before I fall asleep, but I'm gonna kill Potatoes. you. If you bring that bike back. <laughs> oh man, I'm. I'm Huey does also contain one of the best motorcycle scenes ever. That is true. Oh yeah, <laughs> we still laugh out loud at that one. I don't laugh out loud at too many movies, but man, that one, that scene, will still get me when he's like, "All right, guys." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's filming. It's it's quiet. I don't think there's any music playing. He just goes off and just hits the billboard and crashes. It's just like okay. And then the guys are all looking at him like all looking at him. It's just like perfectly. (laughs) Could have shot that better, man. All right, three questions. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. Impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right. Question number one. If you were narcoleptic, where would be the worst place to fall asleep? That question kind of hits close to home. So <laughs> I don't know. The Gremlins 2 episode, uh, <laughs> a, a field trip bus. I, you know, there's there's many things. I was uh, going to say a public bus. A public bus. Uh, in a, in a, a movie ro- theater watching Logan. Or no, it wasn't Logan. It was the Wolverine. Uh, it was the Wolverine. Um, the 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 drive down to the state cross country meet when your uh, uh, guy riding in the car with you can't drive a stick shift. I mean, like there's you know, I suppose the most dangerous might be like behind the wheel of a vehicle or something. I think that would be bad. That's true. Mm. I went with the sky deck on the Sears Tower because I feel like I'd wake up and just freak out. <laughs> Because I don't like, I would never go on that thing to begin with because I, the whole heights and just standing on some glass platform. No, thank you. So I think I, if I were to like somehow pass out and like roll onto the sky deck and then suddenly wake up and feel like I'm floating millions of miles up in the air. No, no, not a chance. You'll believe a man can fly. Yeah, you'll also believe a man can like jump right out of his skin. I would, I would look like a Looney Tunes cartoon. I'd leave my skeleton <laughs> behind, and like my skin would be running off in the other direction. <sighs> All right. Well, otherwise, other other than somewhere near me, while I've got a sharpie in my hand, what about the rest of you? Public bus, any public transportation, 
nastiness things that people might do. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. I would just kind of worry that I'd miss my stop and I'd end up in like Kenosha. There's that. There's definitely that. I will say whenever I get on the Metra, the way to really fly, I going into the city, I'm always like, this is great. Cause I just, I'll sleep. I just fall asleep. And uh, like, cause I know if I wake up, I'll be down in the city. Sure. It's leaving the city that it's like t- terrifying because I'm like, Oh crap. You know, like I can't, you know, mm-hmm. I got to um, like, I, yeah. Okay. Dennis, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no go ahead. Finish this. No, I was just going to say, I, I like coming out of the city, I got to go stand somewhere. I, I got to go stand like in the little entryway so that when the, you know, if I fall asleep standing up, at least the, the, um, um, what do you, what do you call the guys on the trains? Conductor. Um, the conductor. Yeah. When the conductor comes by, they'll at least know like, okay, this guy is like standing up, sleeping against the caution. The doors are about to close. We, we better pull him back. Or, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead, Dennis. I'm sorry. I didn't give you a chance there. Um, I would say like, I, I went like with you guys first initially, like driving a vehicle, um, you know, or a plane or in, or in the swimming in the ocean. Um, mm. And then I, I, I finished with something more, I think a little bit more milder. I thought like in terms of that's just going to lead to like death, but I might not even know it. It would be fast. So whatever. I think, uh, I think, um, I think I said on a toilet would be probably, I want to fall asleep in a public toilet somewhere at a location that isn't very, um, you know, like kind of some strange town somewhere where you're out in the middle of nowhere and uh, you went to a gas station and fell asleep on that toilet where there's a lot of missing person signs up on the wall. <laughs> yeah, what public toilets do you go to? <laughs> <laughs> you ever driven out to California? Yikes. <laughs> there's a few places along the way where you're like, uh, yeah, let's just let's keep moving. I, keep driving. I can hold it. <laughs> I don't know what, oh, wait, what was it the one with Kurt Russell? Yes, Kurt Russell. So Kurt Russell's in that movie with uh, with the, where he's driving across somewhere, like they're driving out, remember, and his wife, and then all of a sudden, you know, their their car. It's uh, has anybody seen that one? You know what I'm talking about? You get the wife gets kidnapped or gets taken, missing. It's like something not missing. Um, one of you have seen that movie. I think we've talked about it because one of the main the the bad guy and it's really a good actor who died recently, but or a few years back. Um, but anyway, uh. In that movie, there's a scene that's like so creepy, and we always think of it where they they're they're at a gas station, they're out in the middle of kind of nowhere, and there's just like this list of missing persons, like all posted up on the thing, you know. And it's like that's an eerie feeling when you're in a place where you don't know where you're you're really at. You're is it uh, obviously, obviously driving through as a tourist, yeah, and you're just seeing a list of you know missing people. Is it called Is it called Breakdown? Yes. Okay. There you go. Yeah, who's the main uh, actor? It's uh, now I know it's Kurt Russell and then uh, the lady, but then who is the uh, JT Walsh? JT Walsh, yes, great actor, yeah, great in that performance, yeah. So the other the other falling asleep thing that I've actually done is when I was in eighth grade, um, we we lived in one year in this house in a little town in Southwest Missouri, same town that some of my grandparents lived in, and I remember I'd get up in the morning and start to get ready for school. And we had this kind of like this 
this heater that was built into the wall that was right next to the bathtub. You know, this this house, it didn't have a shower. It just had the bathtub. So I remember I'd get up, and of course, I'm a 13, 14-year-old kid, so I don't really wake up very well in the morning. And I'd get up, I'd go into the bathroom, and I'd start to turn on the tub. And then I'd also turn on this heater, especially when it was in the wintertime. <clears throat> and I'd kind of like curl up on the floor next to the heater while the tub was filling up with water. And one morning, I woke up just as the water was about to spill over the edge of the tub. I was like, oh, Ooh, my, my mom mm-hmm. would have killed me if I had done that. That's, yeah. So. Yeah. I thought skydiving, too. You know, if I fell asleep, mm, right, that, would, out, but that would be Again, that would be a fast death unless you wake up and you're like, you didn't pull the parachute and you got like 30 seconds before you hit the ground. That's true. So, I don't know. Hmm. That is true. Um, pulling into the, pulling into the house, you know, after you know, after a day, and sometimes I'm just like, dude, I just got to go to sleep. I always make sure to like, you know, like two things. Would I ever do? I pull the car in the garage, and it's always key completely out of the car, garage door down. Those two things in that order, and then I know I'm safe. Like I don't want to fall asleep with the garage door open. And I don't want to fall asleep with the garage door shut and the car's still running. So I'm always like, those are my last two thoughts when I pull in after, you know, you mentioned a concert last night, I got into the garage and it was like, okay, key completely out of the ignition, hit the garage door. Even like I'll do that as I'm falling into sleep, key out, garage door down, bam. And then sometimes I'll sleep for, I never close the garage door until my car's off. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, and, and like, I don't even want to like be half asleep and get it wrong. Like, I mean, it's, um, you know, those are always my last two thoughts is it's like key completely out of the ignition. You know what I'm saying? And then hit the garage door. And then sometimes I'll just like, but I always like, bam, bam, make sure those two things are in place. Um, just cause yeah, God, you know, God forbid, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not, yeah. Dennis, when you were telling your story about like like stopping at a gas station or a public bathroom or something like that, I was a little worried you were going to go into like the there's something about Mary rest stop scene. <laughs> yeah. It's like, all right, well, it's, I know Dennis goes on a lot of road trips, but I've never gone with him, so I don't know what happens. You know what stays on those? What happens on those road trips? What happens at the rest stop? Stays at the rest, stays stop, at the rest yeah. stop. Unless you get, unless you get arrested. <laughs> All right. Uh, question number two: What is your favorite kind of potato or way to prepare a potato? Because this is the thirty-something movie podcast, we have to throw in a food question. Well, sure. Well, somebody else is going to take it, but I'm going to say, like the, the the my favorite like healthy potato. I love um, a sweet potato that's steamed, mashed, and has a little bit of like maybe some uh, like the Thanksgiving kind of. Uh, put some marshmallows or something on top that's like ultimate like i love mm-hmm. that but um rosemary f- like garlic fries or something like that like they're nice and crispy. Mm. any fries like that is a weakness which isn't a good one for me i don't i'm like i'm off them for a while now it's it's like there used to be a day where i at a time where i was just literally driving home and you know wendy's is right there by the house it was like oh man maybe they're gonna be crispy and hot today mm-hmm. you know and this, if they are, this would be the last fry I have for that, you know, for, for a month, mm-hmm. you know, I actually have myself at one point two two orders of fries per month. And that's all I can do. Cause I, and I get the small in order, but fries are a weakness, just the crunch and the crispiness. If they're done, Portillo's are like awesome. Yeah. So yeah. 
Mm. I'm going to go sweet potato is my favorite, like a nice steamed mashed sweet potato. I can eat that yummy, and enjoy yummy. that feel good about myself after. <laughs> when you, uh, if you do the holiday sweet potatoes, do you do them with the, the marshmallows and the other stuff? Do you also, yeah, like do you also do, um, also, family growing up. Yeah. Okay. Do you also do walnuts? I can do it without though. So I can still okay. enjoy it without anymore, you know? Okay. That's what we had those for Thanksgiving. So that's, that's what made yeah. me think of it. Um, I'm going to go with a twice baked potato. And I, I mean, load it up. I mean, it, it should be a heart attack on a plate is what I'm <laughs> with. So uh, give me, give me bacon, but you know what? Give me bacon on top of my bacon bits. Um, in fact, twice baconed bacon bits. Let's do that too. I don't even know what that means, but um, <laughs> let's, let's get some bacon in there. Let's get some, maybe like crumpled up blue cheese in there too. A uh, little sour cream. Oh, you said sour cream. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you were you were with I me until I said sour cream. I'm not. Well, no, no. I'm I'm not a Back huge. Back in the day, growing up, people put sour cream on theirs, yeah. and we we thought we had to. Like sometimes, like like my mom might make, make potatoes, and for some reason, sour cream would be there, and they passed around like you had to put it on there. And yeah. I kept going, "Why the hell are we just ruining the potato?" Yeah, you know. And then I realized, like, wait, I don't have to put sour cream on this, dude. And I was like, thank God. Like as a kid, you just did what you know your parents did. Like this is how you eat a potato. It's got sour cream on. It. And then I realized. I can do it without sour because I hated yeah. sour cream. I do not like sour cream. Well, and I'm not a I'm not a huge sour cream fan. You said a little if, bit. If you're, you if you're into it, bit. just a little a little bit, yeah. or or butter. Bit. I'm good either way. Either one. Butter is what I yeah. I would put butter on. Yeah. Butter and garlic salt. Yeah. But yeah, twice <laughs> twice baked, twice baconed. You know, I mean, just do it all. Yeah, I mean, and and I'll take that loaded baked potato to the next level, like. Put whatever you've got on it the, before the place in Libertyville closed finds. I mean, yeah. you go to their salad bar, broccoli, cheese, bacon, uh, roasted corn, chili, did you uh, chili salsa. Heck, why don't you just put fries on that baked potato? Hey, okay. You could, sure. I, there's nothing wrong with this. <laughs> <laughs> just with marshmallows. Uh, I still love a chili. Yeah, um, chili. You can't do chili and salsa, but I mean, you know, you gotta, you know, you gotta be gentle. Well, you could. But man, a good loaded baked potato with all sorts of stuff on it. Oh, mm. you you could do chili and salsa at the same time. You're just gonna be in that rest stop bathroom for a while, <laughs> and you might be in there so long you fall asleep. There you go. Go missing. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. Aside, um, question two, part B here. Since you guys are both, you know, twice baked potato or baked potato people, what would be the best, um, what is your go-to restaurant um, food establishment that has that? Because there are some that are known to have those, like, I know McAllister's is I, big Mc, on that. Yeah, McAllister's. Yeah, McAllister's, is, they have a huge one. Hits right here on the corner. It's, yeah. Um, has them. Uh, Fines before they closed in Libertyville was my favorite. Okay, which place? Oh, Fines. Fines. Yes, yes, I remember that place. Yeah. Oh, so good. Okay, John, what's your favorite place? I'd say right now I'd probably say McAllister's. Like any any time I go there, that's I usually whatever I get, I get like a half sandwich and a potato. Okay. Mm, Now I want a potato. Yeah, I know. You call them spuds or do you call them potatoes? Potato. Potatoes. Spuds is the we dog. Call him Spuds over at McAllister's, though. And it's funny because yeah. yeah. I'm not going to say, I just know somebody, I'm not going to say who. But somebody was like, yeah, at one point, and uh, 
what what's an SPUD? <laughs> I had to explain that to them. So it's do do I know this person as well? No, I don't oh, think you know. Right. No, no. Right. And I'm not going to say male or female. I'm just leaving okay. it at that. <laughs> this this is not the same person that could not name who the vice president was a few years ago. No, it was not. Okay, all right. <laughs> Although maybe that's a possibility. I'll have to ask. Okay. Oh, educating America's future. <laughs> Pat, did you give yours or have you just been thinking the entire time? I love all the potatoes. Pat's, I while, love the while potatoes. We've been, while we've been talking, Pat's actually been preparing a potato. <laughs> I've been eating potatoes. I wouldn't put it past him. No. I'm, I'm just going to say. He's trying to get one I, in before he falls asleep. Yeah, that's right. Hey, uh, thanks. Uh, sorry, guys. I kind of nodded off there. Um, uh, are we talking about f- favorite scenes in The Matrix? What What are we doing? Okay. We're talking, so, we're talking, about, uh, we're talking about waxing on and waxing off. <laughs> oh, man. See, I knew I knew that was going to come back. Bo, oh, okay. Anyways, the potatoes. I, my gosh, I just have not met potatoes that I have not liked. I, um. I, I would say my absolute favorite is I love roasted vegetables. You know, you just chop up all different vegetables, olive oil, a little salt, pepper, roast them. Awesome. And uh, chop, chopped up potatoes in there is great. Sweet potatoes, regular potatoes, all different kinds of potatoes. Um, I really like that. Tammy has this recipe for a potato arugula salad that is amazing. It is life-changingly good, and it's um, with redskin potatoes and uh, arugula. Arugula. Arugula, and um, like a basically a balsamic vinaigrette type dressing, and it's amazing. Like I can make whole meals out of it. In fact, I make whole meals out of that, and um, that is beyond good. And. Um, so you asked for one and I'm giving you a list. So I would say those are the top two, you know, potatoes in with roast vegetables that Dennis. Yeah. The French fries. Yeah. I mean, I, how can you pass on French fries? Um, and, uh, you know, it's funny, like you were talking about how, like, you know, growing up, you thought that that was always, you know, there was, um, a topping you didn't like so much, uh, what was it? You're saying sour cream. And then you just thought that was the way it, I remember with baked potatoes. Like I always thought you never eat the skin you always Mm-mm. eat. And then all of a sudden I like discovered eating the skin and oh. it was like, this is amazing. No, like this no, is the way sir, this, this is, this is potatoes this, are potatoes are like a bison on the plains. You use the entire animal to honor it. Yeah. That's exciting. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you this, I'll tell you this, and I've done this since I was a little kid. Uh, when my mom would be like chopping up potatoes to go in whatever stew or what, I'd come by and I'll eat them raw. I'll eat raw potatoes. I love it. It's like the crunch that you get from an apple, but it tastes like a potato. So, yeah, and, and it absolutely weirded Tammy out. That was one of the things when we got married. She, one of the things she called my mom, she's like, okay, Patrick's eating raw potatoes. Is that normal? And she goes, yeah, he'd do that all the time. I'd have to like chop extra because like, I just like walk by and I'd, she'd have all of the potatoes chopped for whatever the recipe and I'd eat half. And then she'd chase me out of the kitchen and like Tammy has to do the same thing because she'll be chopping potatoes and I'll be just like crunching on the raw potatoes. So I love the potatoes. 
Yeah, I mean, anyway, you just get me thinking of like my kids' favorite is they like when I make the uh, when you said about the skins too is I make the um, I get the little the little ones I steam those mm-hmm. mash those and when you do mashed potatoes with uh, <sighs> uh, some bean butter and some garlic salt and yeah that's just delicious um, potato wedges you know when you get the potatoes, oh. you know they're guilty mm. roasted potato roasted potatoes. The, the cut up roast potatoes with some rosemary. Yeah, I mean, any of those are just. Oh. <laughs> there's, there's so many ways to make a potato. I mean, yeah. When when done right, the buffalo chips they used to have at Buffalo Wild Wings. Yes, those were. Yeah. Because then, then you can also use those if you got, um, you know, if you got some wings or, or whatever, you could kind of use those to, to sop up a little bit of the sauce. And it was just. Yeah. If, if done right, oh, yeah. if done right, no yeah. can defense. Yeah. Cause my go to with all potatoes is if I'm eating a potato, like a. If, if I'm going to use some sort of dip or sauce, it's always barbecue sauce. So it's Sweet Baby Ray's barbecue sauce. Mm. But I'm always yeah. now that Now that you said that, and I'm worried we're spending more time talking about this than we did about my own private Idaho. But um, So here's mm. a question. Here's My daughter does this, and I've seen other people do it too, but I just can't. I don't know. I can't do it. Uh, do you dip your fries into a milkshake? No. Mm. Ah. In very specific circumstances. Okay. Mm. Wendy's fries in a Wendy's Frosty. Really? Never occurred to me until you just said that, that that was even a possibility. Dude, and it's something about Wendy's fries because they're different. They're they're just different. Like you, a McDonald's fry is almost too thin to make it worth doing, right? Nope. But a Wendy's fry... Dipped in that frosty, <laughs> yeah, buddy. There's a general rule. There's a general rule that the thinner the fry, the less dipping. The thicker the fry, the more the need dip. Agreed. Are we still talking about fries? So, yeah. So steak the fries. big thick steak fries. Oh, uh, red robin, baby. You those have thick. With that. Oh, so good. Otherwise, you just might as well eat a you know baked potato. So <laughs> right. It's turned into the cooking show. See yeah. what I like to do when I've got those big, the big thick fries like that is like I'll I'll grill up like uh, peppers and onions, put the fries in there, and put salsa on top. Oh yeah, that's really good. All right. Well, it's that's. I feel like at some point we all need to go to a restaurant. John insert a, a Homer Simpson clip of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something at this point. Hey, so I, I mean, donut. Uh, oh. Yeah. When you wrote yeah. question number two, did you think you'd get this much time out of it? Uh, no, actually, I did not. Kind of thought potato, it would be a, two potato, I, three potato, four. I knew we'd probably hover somewhere around like ten minutes on this question, but I, I don't even know how long <laughs> we've gone so far. It might have been like fifteen minutes so far. No, I didn't quite think this would get the traction it did. But I, again, it's it's us and it's a food question, so I should have known. French fries, <laughs> potatoes, 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 potatoes. All right, question number three. Uh, yeah. What is your favorite Keanu Reeves drama? So not an action movie. Uh, what is your favorite Keanu Reeves drama? And I'm gonna okay, I'm, not a, I'm gonna say not, not not action and not comedy. So Bill and Ted is out. Uh, the John Wick movies, you know, anything that's kind yeah. of actiony is out. Matrix is out. Matrix is out. Matrix is out. Yep. I'm gonna jump. Oh man, I don't know. I'm not sure yet. Hold on, I'm down to two. Right? Yeah, I'm down to two as well. You pulled comedy out, which made i'm thinking more along the lines of a a more of a serious drama 
Yeah, I was originally thinking. Uh, out then. What's that? Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Question two. How did we all miss tater tots? I said tater tots at the end, but nobody heard me. Okay. I didn't hear you. Okay. You're moving on, and I just whispered I went tater tots because I, I figured we got Oof. off that question. But okay. Right at the end, I go tater tots. So yeah, we got it. When you hear it, you'll see it. You'll probably hear me say tater tots. Very respect, respect the tots, man. Respect the tots. tots. Agreed. I didn't want to open it up again, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm saying tater tots and A1 steak sauce. Mm. My wife sand. would agree. On, on a barbecue burger. sauce, I get what you're saying. Yeah, tater tater tots. Well, you could do tater tots and a one on a burger. Mm, there you go. There you go. So mm. I was originally thinking much ado about nothing, but that's technically one of Shakespeare's comedies, so that doesn't work. Well, mm. I, it's 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 Shakespearean, so I'd give you that. All right, I'm gonna, since I can't use par- paranoid, would be considered a comedy. Although there's no, some drama. I I'd lean towards that being a drama. Okay, so I might say that. Otherwise, I'm going to go with Bram Stoker's Dracula. There you okay. go. I'm going to go with, so I think I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with The Devil's Advocate. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then my runner-up is The Lake House, just because I kind of like the twist in that one. Oh, uh, sure. But yeah, I got to go Devil's Advocate, because that was, um, I don't know. I just, I love that one. It, and that... I don't remember how old I was when that came out. I think I was like 15 when that movie came out. And it just, I don't know. There were certain things about that movie that terrified me, but I still loved Al Pacino in that. And Charlize Theron, that was one of her first movies, I feel like, uh, or early on for her. And then Keanu Reeves in that. And I don't know. I just, I can't even tell you how many times I watched that movie in the 90s. Mm, what year is yes. that one? Is that ninety-five? Is that coming for us? Is that going to come up for us? Uh, eventually. I saw it once in the nineties. I haven't seen it since, and that I know it was. I knew I liked it. So yeah, it's like 95, 90, No, actually ninety-seven. Okay, so we got a while for that. So one. it was his. Actually, that was his last movie before he did the Matrix. Got it. Hmm. So. Um... Hmm. 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 Bo, did you give your answer? What was your answer? I said much ado about nothing. Much ado about nothing. And then John, you did okay. I'm going devil's. All right. Does what is the is the replacements? That's that you won't let me squeak by as as drama with that one, will you? Um. You know what? I'd let you have that one. Okay. Okay. Well, let me keep that one in reserve. Okay. What about um, Constantine? Would that qualify? Yeah, I was looking at that one too. Yeah, I mean that one. I don't know. Is that one more actiony? Yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one for me. Yes, Point Break. You know, always we said it was action. Yeah, and the Point Break could be action, and, and our host doesn't like that movie. I, so I, I hate that movie anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> I brought it up. <laughs> Yeah, it's you know yeah, it's basically just, it's like you know all the things that you felt about uh, my own private Idaho is like that's my own private worst <laughs> least favorite movie. I, I hate. Hey, hey, <clears throat> hey, Utah, give me nothing. Oh, give me man. Hey, Utah. A disclaimer from the Thirty Something Movie Podcast: I do like Point Break. I just feel like I need to say that every time. <laughs> oh man. Um. 
You know what? How about this, man? How about this? This is interesting. What about the day the earth stood still? Hmm. Oh, okay. I thought he was kind of fun. I thought that was kind of fun. I thought he, it yeah. was, was fun watching uh, as Klaatu. Okay. Did you uh, did okay you see the day the earth stood still? I did. I, I mean, that was. I just like yeah. the original better than I like that. Yeah. I, Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. But I'm trying to find a Keanu drama and okay. that isn't Devil's Advocate or Much Ado About Nothing or uh, whichever one Dennis mentioned. I don't. Bram Stoker's Dracula or Parenthood. Yeah, I would be right too. Yeah. Oh yeah, Walk in the Clouds was one. That was a romantic one. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. I think but that's I, I, I think that's think the one that uh, I think a Walk in the Clouds might be the one that Sharon always makes fun of. Yeah, because it wasn't good, I don't think. Because there's a scene of him like, isn't he like walking through a vineyard going, Victoria, Victoria? <laughs> yes. yeah. I remember he was like not cast well for that as far as I remember. Yeah. Um but, let's see. Like uh, I don't know if I just saw Bill and Ted during that or you know, like yeah, but some kid he got stuck in that for a while. It's unfortunate, but yeah, like whoa, whoa, whoa! Uh, I think he's overcome see. that though now. We are wild stallions. Ever see? Uh, ever see Feeling Minnesota? I have not. Is okay. it? Keanu uh, Reeves. Pretty awesome. Um, it's been a long time since I've seen it. It's Keanu Reeves. We're all going to feel Minnesota in another couple of weeks. Well, that's true. Uh, Keanu Reeves, Vincent D'Onofrio, Cameron Diaz. Hmm. That one's more (laughs) of a drama. Um, out of that one. Um, let's see. Sweet November. I mean, that's, that's kind of a, kind of a romance movie. That's, uh, him and, uh, Charlize Theron again. If you need a date night movie, that's a good one. Sweet November. Mm-hmm. It's a love story. It's also a little sad. I won't say anything else. Uh, Something's Got to Give. Did you ever see that one? Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. That one would count, too. That Diane Keaton, Jack Nicholson. Yeah, that's a good one. Honestly forgot he was in it, to be honest. I remember watching, and just because it was kind of, I don't know, the sty- and the style of camera that I'm using tonight actually fits with this one. Uh, did you ever see a scanner darkly? Yes. Yeah. That was a pretty good one. It's got Keanu Reeves, Winona Ryder, Robert Downey Jr., and it was kind of filmed in this, like, um, only people who can see me right now can tell. It was kind of filmed in, like, this almost cartoonish kind of style. Like a comic book. Yeah, it was like a comic book filter overlay yeah. on top of the actor's. My wife hates those. Oh, really? Those, those, um, like the, um, the Jim Carrey, uh, Christmas Carol, where it's like acted but drawn over. Oh, oh uh-huh. drives are crazy. Yeah. It's like the, the unreal realism, just the uncanny valley, just <laughs> doesn't work. I can't remember River's Edge. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, oh. Pat, Pat remembers River's Edge. <laughs> that yeah. was that uplifting one with uh, George McFly, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, that was a weird <laughs> movie. Samson has murdered his girlfriend and left her body latent lying on the bank of a yeah. Okay, now I remember. I think I remember it. Okay. Mm. Uh, ratings, man. Uh, it was uh, episode number eighty-six for us. Yeah, I wasn't on that one. I remember that. I remember you guys were talking about. It, but I can't remember that one. I think I didn't. I think because I hadn't seen it recently, I didn't. I wasn't on that one. Mm-hmm. Just because you mentioned that, I'm going to have to say Toy Story four for my choice. <laughs> I'll give you that one. He was so, too kaboom. So, so I need to go back and listen. What episode is that again? Uh, it is episode number eighty six. Eighty six. Okay. Eighty six. I will. Uh, I will drop this since we're all on Zoom. I will drop the link in the chat there. Then you can just. And Pat had some interesting. Uh... Uh, you know what? If, and if hopefully I got it right and, and everything like that. I think it was just. A, I think it was a, a pretty, uh, a pretty incredibly well done movie. I just got mad at the people in it. So I guess you could say, hey, the movie did its job. But I was just, if I recall, and I might be all wet on this. I, I can't remember. I just remember movie or anything like that. So you automatically just don't like it. Or wait, wait, it was what? What was it? What do you say? Patreon, like one of the favorite, like people, you know. Like, yeah, it was. It, we, we needed to get some patrons. It's no. Um, like, I hate it because somebody else likes it. Next. <laughs> yeah, that's you know that's my style, man. I hate. I hate. I loved it. I love. I love on the hate. No, I think I. I think it was a really well done movie. Um, and hopefully I said this in the pod, or maybe I just came to the realization later. I, I think it was very well done. It just made me angry. Were you trying to create a pun there when you said you hope you weren't all wet on this, but you know, especially because it was river's I, edge and the body was left on the river's edge. And You know what? Hanging out with you fine folks has, has, uh, has just brought about great changes in me. You know, I didn't mean to do that and it just, it just happened. Well, it's, it's so, funny. It's funny. You should say that because when, when the girl is murdered and left there that she's strangled to death. And yeah. uh, in the description of the episode, I said, did this movie succeed in making us feel the tension in these kids' lives or did it ultimately choke? <laughs> so what John's saying is he's been setting this up from the beginning. Uh-huh. I've, I've, I've been incepting you all for six years. You've been, have you been planning if this If anyone could. <laughs> and don't worry, I'll buy you dinner. It'll be a potato. Or, hey, Okay. <laughs> It's all good. Okay. Just man. Just one. Just one potato. I know. If especially if it's tater tots, there's gonna be a bunch of them. Oh, tater tots. There you go. Or those big potato, those big spuds from McAllister's. That's really two potatoes. I mean, that's not yeah. one potato. That's impossible. Or three potato, four. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. All right. Well, we've probably exhausted our uh, Keanu Reeves potato knowledge. Um. And falling asleep in some weird places. So that's going to do it for this episode of the 30-something movie podcast. Uh, If you want to find us in some different places, you can go find us at 30podcast.com. We are at 30podcast on most of the different social media outlets. Um, Don't forget to check out our sponsor and the other shows that are in the Scene Stealers podcast network by heading over to scenestealersglobal.com. Uh, we have a few episodes left here It uh, as we're kind of rounding out the rest of 1991, heading on into 92 uh, for Patreon this month. That one should be coming out pretty soon, probably within the next couple of days or so. Uh, we've got our It's a Wonderful Life episode that we did, the 75th anniversary, and uh, we had Jason Colvin from the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast join us for that one because he'd never seen it before. So that was a great time with him. So if you are a Patreon 
co-executive producer. You will get that episode as soon as it comes out. If you are not, we do have a preview episode um, that should already be out by now, I believe. Um, and uh, if that uh, if that has wet your whistle and you want more, then head on over to Patreon. And uh, at any level of support there, you get access to those monthly bonus episodes that we put out. So, um, yeah, head on over there, check that out, especially if you want the full thing. Full thing is like, what do we do, like three, three and a half hours long talking about that movie? So you get plenty of... <laughs> Plenty mm-hmm. of bonus content uh, for your uh, for your donation there. So uh, for the rest of December, we've got next week is the movie Homicide with Joe Mantegna. And uh, I must insist that you go watch that movie. Um, and then rounding out the rest of the year, 1991, last movie is City Slickers. So oh. hello. hello. There we go. Thank you. Um, and then let's see, then January, we've got our crime and punishment month to start off the year. Patreon for that one is to kill a mockingbird from 1962. And then we have lethal weapon three Hoffa, my cousin Vinny and passenger 57. And then February is our women month. Uh, that is our Patreon is going to be favorite movies with female leads. And then we've got a league of their own basic instinct, single white female, Jennifer Eight and Sister Act. We got some good ones. Good ones coming up in January and February. Oh yeah. So, all right. Well, gentlemen, as always, it is a pleasure to talk movies with you. Always fun to hang out for a little bit and talk. I mean, usually we talk just as much about food as we do movies, but that's fine. I think that's. I like the food. You do like the food. That's fine. I like okay. the food. All right. Well, Bo, Dennis, Pat, thank you, oh. gents. Thank, Thank you, you, John. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Dan. All right. Well, maybe next time we'll find some more uh, find a, uh, some more uplifting movies to watch so that uh, we don't feel quite so – we don't have to drown our sorrows in food, I Happy guess. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> hope, you, hope you feel consistently forlorn, lost, and aimless over the course of this holiday season. My daughter is in town for a few, you know, a few weeks here, a few months maybe here, and uh, that's what I wasted an hour and a half watching. There Thank you me. go. There you go. You end up you end up back on that deserted road and no future insight. At least you learned what narcolepsy is. That's true. And as long as you learn something, you know. The more you know. The more you know. There you go. All right. Everybody be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies and we'll see you back here next time.